Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I took all the wrong advice. I compared myself to others. My blog was all over the place to show for it. As soon as I started investing more time and money into learning about things like SEO, search engine optimization, social media marketing, leaning into my skills, especially like my love for Pinterest, I really leaned into that. And then forging relationships with others in my niche. And I stopped being so scared to go for certain things. And that's when the blog really took off. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres-Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. You are listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. This is your host, Janice, and today's episode is celebrating Financial Literacy Month, and we're talking all things side hustles. For the whole month, we're going to be celebrating my love for entrepreneurship and side hustles. And if you don't already know, the Side Hustle Summit 3 is coming this month as well, April 19th to the 24th. This six-day workshop series is going to be the best side hustle event on the internet. So you don't want to miss it. Get your ticket at SideHustleSummit3, that's the number three, dot com, SideHustleSummit3.com. Grab your ticket and you can join me and this next guest on the podcast. Today on the podcast, we are hosting Daniela Flores, founder of ILikeToDabble.com. 
Daniela is a Latina software engineer, cat mom, and side hustle queen. She started her blog, I Like to Dabble, back in 2017 as a side hustle that ultimately helped her and her wife pay off over $40,000 of debt. Three years later, the blog has gone on to become one of the top side hustle resource websites and has been featured in Business Insider, CNBC, MSN, and more. Daniela recently won a Plutus Award for Best Side Hustle Blog in 2020, and she shares amazing tips on her social media platforms about how you can start a side hustle today. So if you want to learn about how to diversify your income through side hustles, stay tuned. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Daniela, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited that we are here to commiserate as side hustle sisters today. <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me, fellow side hustle queen. Thank you. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We've worked together already on different events, but I've been thinking to myself, I'm like, I need this woman on the podcast because she is preaching the same message that I am. And I think there are not enough of us, especially in the Latina community, that are like preaching the gospel of side hustles. So I'm super excited to talk to you and for you to share your side hustle story with the audience. But before we get into that, can you introduce yourself? Yes. So my name is Daniela Flores. I'm a Latina software engineer. I'm a cat mom, sidepreneur. I founded a website called ilikedabble.com back in 2017 as a side hustle. It ultimately helped my wife and I pay off a big mountain of debt. We had about $40,000 of debt. It was a combination of different things like medical debt, student loan debt, and credit card debt. Three years later, it's gone on to be one of the top side hustle resource websites that's been featured on publications like Business Insider, CNBC, MSN, and more. And last year, we won an award for Best Side Hustle Blog. So it's been kind of crazy. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Congratulations, first off. And three years to bring something to life and then see the fruits of your labor, like be celebrated in media and with awards, like that's got to feel really satisfying because I can imagine if you're like me, when you're starting a side hustle, you really have no idea like what it's going to turn into. Oh, exactly. It's crazy because when I first started, it was a hobby. I did want to make money with it eventually. When I first started implementing those things, I never knew it would become this. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to dive into that. But first, I love starting off the interviews by finding out about my guests' money stories. And so I would love to know kind of what your relationship was like with money growing up. Did you see like a lot of side hustling at home? Is that where you got your inspiration? Or where did this passion for side hustling come from? Well, it definitely did originate with my parents and the way they worked. So 
I grew up with my parents working a lot. My dad had three jobs when I was little. He worked, wow. he started out in help desk in IT. Now he's a architect and engineer, but he started up doing help desk. He did banquets, catering. He was a server at this country club, like super high end place. And he was working like all the time. My mom was a nursing student at the time working at the hospital. Uh, there's a picture of her graduation when I'm still, I think like five years old in that picture. I guess like my dad did come over from Venezuela when he was 18. So his drive to kind of make it what he likes to call the greatest country in the world, it definitely kind of trickled down into how I work and live now. Yeah, that's such a common story for people who have parents who are immigrants. Like the hustle is so real. <laughs> and I think it's one of our competitive advantages as a culture. Like we make it work with whatever we got and we're scrappy as hell and we're not afraid to work hard. And I think all of that is like key to success and I think it's the key to your success, along with so many other people who just really decide that they're not going to settle for the bullshit. They're going to do more. Hell yeah. Right. It's like, don't <laughs> take no for an answer. You make shit happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned that your dad went into IT. And so you actually work in tech, too. Was that an inspiration from your dad or where did that come from? Yeah, it was an inspiration for my dad. When I was younger, my dad actually taught me how to create websites but remember I was in like third grade and he was teaching me what he was learning at work. Well, there's an anime show called Sailor Moon and I was obsessed with it as a kid. So I mm -hmm. created a Sailor Mercury website. I was really proud of it. I was on this coding group in my grade school. I was also on tech groups at my high school. And then when I went to college, I wanted to go for fine arts. But you say that to an Venezuelan dad and he's like, hell no, you're not going <laughs> to college for fine arts. What are you talking about? You're going to pay for it yourself? <laughs> So it's like, okay, there's this thing I love to do. I love coding. I love the front end part of coding too. Like, okay, I can go to school for computer science and do something with that. Mm -hmm. He's always like, if you go to school for fine arts, you have to pay for it yourself. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> and try to do like work study and stuff. And you're going to be working to pay for your fine arts degree. What are you going to do with that afterwards? It's like, okay, I understand mm -hmm. your stance. I'll try this first. But I ended up doing something with my fine arts skills down the way anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, you are super talented as a graphic designer. So I feel like the universe was going to align itself in some way to allow you to still pursue this passion. And I think it definitely has through your blog. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Let's talk about your career. So you got your degree in computer science. You started working in tech as a web engineer. So tell me more about that. Yeah, so I graduated Webster University back in 2011. My major was in computer science. My minor was in web development and web design. So I found a job right out of college. It was an unpaid internship, as in $0 after <laughs> I graduated. Bad. And it was for a startup in St. Louis. What the startup actually did was they created these like enterprise-level websites out of WordPress. And they're really customized, like really heavy on the design and kind of like the effects and everything. So that's what I was doing. But it's like each web engineer had to do like did a whole build by themselves. So it was like a full stack job. The first workplace and the worst one I've ever worked at. So toxic. One of those is like everybody's in their early 20s. They have all the free snacks and free alcohol for you. Here's free concert tickets. But I was working 80 hours a week. I learned a lot, but like it was horrible. I was. Wait, they weren't paying you? They weren't paying for the first two weeks. So it was oh. an unpaid internship at first. They hired me okay. on full time after that, but I was making $30,000 a year. What? That's so low. Oh my gosh. It was. Yeah. So I quit. It was like not even a year later. That's when I, my first intro to freelancing was. So I went to work as a waitress at this one 
restaurant that my family went to all the time. And then I did freelancing to cover the rest of my bills until I found my next job. That's awesome. So tell me more about how you started freelancing. Like what was the initial idea that you had and how did you make that happen? With working at that startup, I was introduced to a lot of these kind of smaller firms in St. Louis that worked with them a lot. And they did have my information. One of the guys reached out to me for some WordPress help they needed. He offered me $100 an hour, which is crazy, but it was for part-time as needed only. So I was doing maybe, it was like 10 hours a week, sometimes 10 hours a month just to do the little WordPress one-off stuff. But it was great freelance money on the side of my tips that I was making. It introduced me to the freelance world, working with different companies, not as an employee. And it was pretty cool. It was an eye-opening experience working as a freelancer for them, like for these different little firms. I found a job at a retail company. It's a retail IT company that was in St. Louis. It's no longer there. They have since closed their doors as retail does. It's a place that my dad actually worked at when I was a kid. So he knew somebody that was hiring and I was like, all right, I'll go for it. So I was actually there for four years. I met my wife there, but then we both actually ended up getting laid off there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, And so, that's so when, you have to rely on your freelance skills again during that layoff? So that layoff happened and it was a huge layoff. It was a thing where company was doing restructuring. They brought in a whole other company to outsource basically all their IT stuff. We had to train this company in order to get our severance money and like bonus money for oh, our wow. layoff. It was crazy because I found out I was getting laid off the week before we got eloped in Florida. So the week before we flew out for our wedding, I was like, oh, great. I want to have a job in a couple of months, by the way. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that severance money did help. I saved it. I got a work from home job pretty close to right afterwards. I was working for the VA, but I got laid off a couple months into it as well without any severance. Mm -hmm. This is kind of where the birth of the blog kind of comes into place as well. Yeah. So let's talk about the blog. So your blog is I like to dabble.com. First of all, I love the name. So freaking clever. So what inspired you to start blogging? What inspired me was originally Pinterest, actually, because I've always been such a heavy Pinterest user. I go there for ideas, recipes, anything really artistic inspiration. And I came across this whole idea of blogging for money on this site, making sense of sense.com. Michelle Schroeder Gardner is like amazing. I came across her website. and I was like, this is crazy. Like, I actually know how to do this. I worked for a company doing this for companies, how to make money for their company. But I didn't know you could do it with blogging. Mm. And it's like, okay, that's cool. I'm going to first start a site just like as a hobby. And originally the name I like to dabble was supposed to be for like a craft hobby, mm -hmm. art stuff. And that's what I wanted to do. But then I figured out that I didn't want to document every part of my creative process. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go a different way here. So I started talking about finances and like our different side hustles. It's always been a thing of for me to be side hustling. At the time I saw other side hustle websites out there, but they were just missing something and also missing kind of that female element. So mm. I decided to just go for it. That's awesome. I love that you touch on your inspiration for that specific niche because I think it's super important for people to know that when you're starting a blog, you definitely have to have a niche. Like you can't just start a website and you're going to be talking about all the shit. Then you're going to be like talking about nothing essentially. So I always give that advice to my clients to talk. What should I blog about? It really should be a something you care about, something you're passionate about and something that's like specific enough that it becomes like your signature. And so I think you've done that so well. Oh, thank you. It's been a long road to coming here. I definitely went through the struggle of trying to do everything, talking about everything and appeal to everyone. But if you appeal yeah. to everyone, you appeal to no one. <laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah. So I have been blogging for 
close to eight years now. And if I knew now what I did not know then, I probably would have made a lot more money a lot sooner. And so I'm curious, like, what are three things that you wish that you knew about blogging and side hustling when you first started? Oh, that's such a good question. Some of the stuff here is sound a little corny, but I wish I could be myself starting out. When you're going online and you look at all these influencers on Instagram or TikTok and looking at other people's blogs, all their wins and their pretty photos and their amazing lives. It's like you compare yourself to them, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a natural thing. And it's like, don't do that because there's already someone out there like them. You need to be you. I took all the wrong advice. I compare myself to others. My blog was all over the place to show for it. As soon as I started investing more time and money into learning about things like SEO, search engine optimization, social media marketing, leaning into my skills, especially like my love for Pinterest, I really leaned into that. And then forging relationships with others in my niche. And I stopped being so scared to go for certain things. And that's when the blog really took off. Uh, I love that. That is so, so important. Like we have to show up authentically in anything that we do if we want real like success. Because then it's like if you're pretending to be something else, like Whose success is that? Because it's not yours. It's just some artificial manufactured bullshit that at some point you're just not going to be able to keep up the appearance of. Right. Yeah. It's like you don't need to be the specific, special, perfect influencer. Nobody wants to see that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Such a good point. Okay. So I would love to know more about your side hustle. So you have like several different income streams. Can you talk about what they are and how you integrate them into your side hustle empire? Yes. So all these income streams come from my blog or they were opportunities as I was able to get through like my blog and the channels. So the first two income streams I was able to actually implement on my site were ads and affiliate marketing. Those are easy ones to do. Options are limited as you're new. I did to go with Google AdSense, but eventually with the traffic, I was able to upgrade to something like Mediavine that has a much higher ad spend and payout. With affiliate links, I've really invested in courses and learning how to do affiliate marketing and the creative ways to make passive income with it. But when I first focused on those things, I was focusing too much on like the passive income portion. I needed to kind of add more products and services into it. So I did trickle those in over time. I added products, so that's like my course as well as printables. And I have a couple of mini courses coming out as well as workshops and webinars, like the one that we did together. Mm-hmm. I added services, services that you could really only get to me if you were on my email list. But this year I've expanded them out to be more publicly known. And you can now go to a Calendly link to set up a one-on-one with me rather than reaching out to me specifically or responding to like an email list, certain kind of thing that was going on. Mm-hmm. So last year, also, I added speaking as a income stream, which I didn't know was going to happen. I hate <laughs> public speaking. I've always been horrible at it. But FinCon had reached out to me to do like a breakout session, short five minute video to talk about Pinterest. I was like, well, that's easy to talk about. So I'll give it a try. The pay was really good for five minutes. And I was like, OK, I guess I'm a speaker now. And then since then, I've gone on to like membership sites or their specific workshops and done like a certain portion of it or like a little small speaking thing for it. But FinCon's like really the biggest one I've done it for. Mm -hmm. But it was able to make me extra money that I was not planning on making last year. And of course, I do freelance writing work for a variety of different websites, including the Plutus Awards. I also do one-off freelance design projects that's helping other bloggers with their specific thing that they need help with. You do sponsored content too, right? Oh yeah. I also do sponsored content. So I do do sponsored content and this year looks like to be a really fun year for that. I have something coming out this Friday for a sponsorship I'm really excited about. Yes. Sponsored content is actually one of my favorite things to do too, because you can tailor it 
to be so specific, like what you want it to be about rather than be affiliate marketing isn't like a one-off thing. Like, okay, I use this. Here's a link. You can sign up for it too. And you get to pay for it, you know, a Mm -hmm. fee basically. But for sponsored content, it's really fun. Like measure how the campaign is going and just kind of like see the possibilities with that too. And so how do you actually get these sponsored content opportunities? Because I get a lot of questions about that from people. And I use one method, which is I'm part of like influencer networks, so I don't have to pitch, but you actually pitch these brands, right? Yeah. So I pitch them directly either via email or direct messaging on social media just to get like a contact email out there or they reach out to me directly. And yeah, we've talked before about using the influencer networks and I've tried those before in the past too. And I was able to get a couple like little things, but I haven't used them in a while. Most of mine is. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Through direct contact via email or DM. Mm -hmm. And so as far as like charging for all these services, there's always questions around like, how do you actually put a monetary value on skills? Because it's really easy to just like apply to a job and they tell you what they're going to pay you and whatever. But when you're doing this side hustle thing, you have to set your rates, right? So like, how do you go about doing the research to make sure that you're not getting underpaid or that you're not asking for something that's unrealistic? So with freelance writing, when I first started freelancing writing, I took, you know, really bad underpaid jobs for like $50, $25 one-off articles, which is horrible <laughs> because they know you're new and they will pay for cheap labor if they can get it. Yeah. It was when I started talking to other freelancers in Facebook groups and I joined the Ladies Get Paid Slack group and I just asked like, hey, what do you charge for this article? Like with SEO research involved and I have to supply the stock photos. 
and people tell you straight up what they charge for it. And they will tell you if you're charging too little. So you can up your rates and then you just take the chance of them saying no, which is the worst case scenario, which is fine. Yeah, that's great advice. All right. So I have a question because we talk about this and our goals eventually, I think, both align in being able to take our side hustles full time at some point in the future. And so I'm curious, like, have you dealt with maybe not imposter syndrome, but just like doubt or fear around making that decision? Oh, yeah. I have so many doubts around that decision. It's like it goes through my head probably every day. I don't yeah. know. It's probably natural. It's just because we're so conditioned to be working for somebody else to have a stable job. You have to get that 401k match, those health benefits, all those other benefits. Like you're going to be losing out on all that when you leave. And it's mm -hmm. like, I think about that every day. The plan is to leave my full-time job in the next five years because mm -hmm. that's what I'm staying for, the health benefits. And I'm banking on the 401k match because it's the best match I've ever gotten. And it's crazy because you don't have that kind of access to retirements, like easy retirement savings like that outside of your job if your job does offer 401k with a match. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. like, I'm trying to get the quick wins now. We'll have it compound. So then in the next five years, when I do leave, maybe I don't have to be bogged down with, okay, it'll be okay if I don't save for retirement for a couple of months while I'm trying to get everything full time. Yeah, that's such a good point. I feel like I'm following the same path. I'm kind of like front loading my retirement and getting to the point where if I don't have to contribute anymore, like I'm still going to be able to retire at a normal age. But I think also one of the things that I've battled with and let me know if you have as well. It's just like the expectations from family and them like saying to you, what do you mean? Like you're going to walk away from this career that you've built and all this like judgment around walking away from something that's comfortable, right? I don't think a lot of people get that. Oh yeah. The judgment is real in my family. Like yeah. every time I throw it around, my dad's like, you're not really going to leave your job, are you? Like, <laughs> that's the plan, dad. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you don't know that it's so stupid. It's like, <sighs> yeah, yeah, I get it. It sounds really stupid to other people because they don't know. They've never tried it. They only know one thing, especially with family. There's a lot of judgment and stigma around money and your job. And it's like my parents are more proud of me hating my full time job than me winning that blog award last year for best side hustle blog. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the truth. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a good point. I think it's just the lack of understanding around why you're so passionate about what you're doing and the future. Like, it's not anybody else's job to see what you see. And I think that's what we both have to convince ourselves that it's just like, we believe because we're doing the work. And if nobody else does, like, that's okay. It's not their journey to take. It's ours. Yeah, exactly. There's a comedian that I love because of his journey is really similar to ours. It's just different. He became a comedian. But he mm -hmm. worked in a cubicle. It was like a tech company. Jimmy O. Yang. Do you know the comedian? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love his story because he quit and his dad was like, oh, you're a failure or whatever. And then he was like, oh, you're on this TV show. You're in this movie. He's like, how do you get that? And he told his dad like how he like, you know, gets auditions. And his dad started getting auditions. And then they what? were in like a movie together. Yeah, I watched this movie on HBO the other day. And they were in a movie together. I'll tell you what the movie name is. But it's so funny because his dad like put him down for a while for quitting his desk job to be a comedian. and then. He ends up getting his dad acting opportunities and instead of like, oh, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Funny how that I love circle it. moment comes around. I know. It's like, I love that story because they don't see it until like they're in it. That's so true. I mean, I think that's like human nature in general. It's just like you're just programmed to be skeptical until you see otherwise. And 
everybody wants to come celebrate the success, but there's not a lot of people that are like rooting for you while you're in the trenches. Sometimes you have to be the only cheerleader until you get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> yeah, especially why it's so important to find people in like the blogging community or your niche that you can talk to, relate to, talk about what's going on with your blog or maybe like what we did when we exchange skills on that kind of like masterminding call we did mm-hmm. last weekend. That's so helpful because you know that you do have a support group somewhere, even if they're not like within your friends and family. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good point. Okay. So for somebody who wants to start a side hustle and is just like overwhelmed, doesn't know where to start, what advice would you give to them? I guess it's two things. So like if you know what you kind of want to do, definitely go online and research, like maybe how you can turn that into like some sort of money-making side hustle venture, turn to Google, or I love Facebook groups because it's what I started out with just to find other bloggers to see what they were doing and how they were doing things, what tools Mm -hmm. they were using. So I would look up things like blogging groups or blogging females or blogging mastermind kind of things for freelancing. Freelancing females, I think is a good one. And like virtual assistant groups. So Facebook groups are really great for that. Not a big fan of Facebook, but I love the groups Mm -hmm. on there. Or like Reddit. Reddit's great too, just to kind of see how people are starting out with their things. You kind of look to see what they're doing and you might get ideas for how you could do something, like where you should start and what tools you can use at least. Mm -hmm. If you have no idea what to do, how you can use your skills, like brain dumping or doing lists, where you just kind of dump everything down, like here are the skills I think I can monetize. Here are some skills that I can maybe build on using my existing skills. And then I love promoting free courses and free course platforms to kind of use that as a skill development. So like Udemy and Coursera are great for that. Or if you have Mm -hmm. a job that offers learning, Mm. that's great too. Or Google Digital Garage. Just to like, you know, kind of see what you can build on. So first like, okay, well, what do you want to build? And then what do you need to build it? So you have to kind of come up with what you want to build though. So it's a lot of brainstorming, a lot of research. And maybe the thing that you start first isn't the thing you land on. So it's okay Mm -hmm. to start something. If it fails, move on to the next thing. Yeah, I think so many people get caught up in the like, oh my God, like, what are people going to think? What if I fail? And it's like, how the hell are you even going to find out if you're going to fail if you don't even start? Like you already failed if you don't start because you're not even giving yourself the chance. Right? I mean, and failure isn't the worst thing that can happen. A lot of learning comes from it. It's actually a great thing. I fail a lot, like every day. (laughs) Oh, that's such a great point. And thank you for sharing that. I think we need to get out of our heads that like you have to be stuck in whatever side hustle you decide like forever. And I know you talk about this a lot and it's the concept of like, just because you're doing it today doesn't mean you need to do it for the rest of your life. And we need to just give ourselves the permission to change our freaking minds. Yeah. It's okay if you're interested in more than one thing or want to do more than one thing. You don't have to do it all at once. Try it out one at a time. See how it feels. See if it works out or not. Mm -hmm. You guys can just look at me like I'm doing all the things and I don't let myself get boxed in because for a while I actually was like in that mindset that like, oh, I'm a food blogger. Like that's all I can do. And once you give yourself permission to just explore other things, like you have no idea what you can actually accomplish. Right. I have a great example for that. I have a second blog that I've been on and off trying to grow. And I saw recently that's beginning Google traffic. I did some basic SEO work on it when I first got it up and the articles I put out on it. But it's really cool to see Google traffic when I'm not doing anything with the blog right now besides some social media stuff. I'm trying to get it back up again. It's Mm -hmm. a hiking and road trips blog. It's Mm. basically what I love to talk about. 
because it's what we do in our spare time. We love hiking and we love road trips. So it's like, there's a lot of people that like that. So that's great. Yeah. And it's so cool. Like, it's like, okay, this is something I started because it's like, I'm going to start another blog. I'm just going to see how it goes. I took a big break from it, but it's cool. It's getting Google traffic now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's really nothing else to do right now with the freaking pandemic. So I think you're in the right niche. (laughs) All right. So I would love to touch on why you're so passionate about Pinterest for bloggers. Because I know you talk about this a lot. And I would love for you to share like what the value is of focusing some of your energy if you're a blogger on Pinterest. Yes. So Pinterest was what really spiked the traffic on my blog. So starting out, I didn't focus too much on SEO like I should have, but I did put in the SEO work eventually. I focused a lot on Pinterest. Pinterest itself is a search engine. It's just a visual search engine. People go there to look for ideas. And since my blog was so focused around these different ideas of how you can basically recreate your life through a side hustle. It's like, what better place to utilize the traffic than from Pinterest? I went in all in in Pinterest. I invested in some courses, but the thing with a lot of Pinterest courses is like Pinterest itself gives you everything you need to use it. They have the business for Pinterest platform where they have their own learning on it. You can use all the analytics on there to see where your audience is, what time they're online, how they're finding you. It'll show the keywords that they find you from. It's such a great tool to utilize for running a blog or any online business because people focus so much on Google and Google is great. Definitely still focus there. But a lot of people forget about Pinterest and Pinterest is like Google in a lot of ways, just visually. I love it. And it's so true. Like I think about 20% of my traffic from my food blog comes from Pinterest. Like once you set it up and things just start ending up on boards, it really like runs itself. Like it goes viral on its own. Oh, yeah, it does. Once you put a pin out there, that pin's going to circulate and recirculate forever. Exactly. All right. So what do you hope your side hustles turn into in the future? Let's do a little bit of like dream manifestation. Ooh, completely passive, making me like more than six figures a year not doing anything. (laughs) Because my dream is not to work. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Whose isn't? I mean, really. Yeah, that's my dream. I mean, that's why I've been I've invested so much time into building passive income streams. And now I'm trying to focus on ways to like the whole funnel concept. I'm trying to really kind of lean into that to make it like continually passive without my manual intervention on like periodically. Mm-hmm. It's not all the time. It still is some because I do have to maintain like the scheduling of things or my email list and stuff like that. I'm trying to find more ways to also do more by doing less. Oh, talk a little bit about what that means. So with blogging, you get bogged down with so many things because you're doing everything yourself. You put together your website, you figure out all the pillar content that you're going to talk about. You crank out the blog posts, you do the images, you do your Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, whatever. You got to do your SEO, your link building. You're doing everything, your press outreach. This year, I'm really focusing on hiring others. I hired my first VA last year and I hired an SEO person I'm going to recently. I just met with her. She's going to be doing a lot of the SEO updates on my site just because there's so much content and I like to dabble. Mm-hmm. I can't go through it all myself to keep it up to date. So she's going to be doing that. So basically, my VA does most of my social media stuff and Monica will be doing a lot of my SEO stuff. And I'm going to be doing more batching and scheduling. So I just don't have to work on it so much. I also left some groups. So there was a couple of 
like extra stuff I was doing outside of my blog. It was like a blog mastermind group, but I have since left it because it became kind of a time suck. It's something I've outgrown and we had some personal things happen in our life recently too that I just can't commit to it. So there's all these things that were happening. So I just basically said, I need to say no to this, no to this, no to this. I need to hire this person and this person. Mm-hmm. I need to give these people this thing to do. And I just need to focus on what I'm good at, which is basically like the content creation. I do have some freelance writers that will help with certain things by basically outlining the content for them. I still do graphic creation because I love it but my VA will do most of the Pinterest stuff. That's awesome. I love that you touch on not only just hiring help so that you can get away from the administrative stuff that really doesn't help you think about strategy and like long-term plan for your business. And I also love that you touched on saying no to more things, right? Because it's so easy for us as women of color, as new business owners to think that like by saying no to something, That means everything that you're working towards and all the opportunities are just going to cease to exist. And that's coming from a scarcity mindset, right? Because saying no to one thing is not going to mean that like all of a sudden nobody's going to want to work with you. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, it was hard for me to say no for a long time because I've always been kind of this people pleaser. Mm. So I've always felt like I've had to overextend myself for this person or that person. And this year, just like no more because the person who ends ends up paying for all that is me and Mm -hmm. my own mental well-being. I know that's right. Preach. (laughs) I love it. Okay. So what is your money mantra? So like with scarcity mindset, I guess around the same time as I started blogging, I found out about the whole like abundance concept to Mm -hmm. not be so bogged down in your scarcity mindset. Like, oh, I don't have this going for me or that for going for me. So I actually started reading up about like writing down your mantra and finding mantras and then just like repeating them all the time. So like I create abundance is basically the first one that I found. I liked it a lot. And the more that I said it and thought about it, like more abundance basically happens. Money flows to me naturally. I like that one because the more that I can naturally say the money flows me flows to me naturally, it seems like it naturally does. It obviously isn't magic. There's a lot of work that comes behind it. Money doesn't flow to me from a paycheck. It flows mm. to me naturally. I love that. Daniela, this conversation has been amazing. And so for folks that want to find out more about you, follow your journey, check out your blog. Where can we find you? You can follow me my journey at ilikedabble.com. I like to dabble on TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. On Instagram is I like to dabble blog. You can check out my side hustle courses at lysh.ilikedabble.com. It's jam-packed with everything I wish I knew starting out. Insight from an actual accountant and business lawyer, worksheets, downloads, interviews, the whole nine yards. And it's a perfect guide to starting side hustle if it's your lifestyle. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for empowering us to believe that we are also capable of creating awesome side hustles. Y'all, if you want some like bomb ass side hustle content, Daniela is your girl. You need to check out I like to dabble.com. She is the ultimate resource for anything side hustle related. So definitely support her, check her out and follow her on social. Daniela, thanks again for being here. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. I hope this episode has you feeling inspired to diversify your income through a side hustle. I think 2020 showed a lot of us that the jobs that we thought were really secure aren't necessarily as secure as we would hope. And so anything that you can do to diversify your income sources is really protecting and insulating you from future emergencies. There will always be unexpected things that happen in life with your income, with your job, or even like with your family or your circumstances. And 
the more that you can diversify how you earn income, the easier it will be to weather the next storm. So I hope you'll join me at the Side Hustle Summit 3 if you are still looking for inspiration or motivation to start a side hustle, you definitely want to join us at this event. Get your ticket at sidehustlesummit3.com. And until next time, stay curious, stay thrifty, stay entrepreneurial, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.